This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. We are right in the middle of a series called Freaky, because all y'all are nothing but a bunch of freaks, right? That's what it's all about. Really, we have looked at over the last three weeks, this reality that we all kind of need to embrace, and that's that normal is not working. I mean, what, what's normal look like in the world that we live in? Normal financially is, is living paycheck to paycheck, living with a lot of debt, right? Bankruptcy is normal. What's normal look like in life? Living with a lot of stress, living with uh, a lot of uh, a lot more responsibilities than we can actually knock out in a day. I mean, th- the truth is, normal is not working. So, just to let you know, kind of where we're going to go over the next few weeks is we're going to start next week a brand new series called Blueprints for a Better Marriage. All right. Because how many of y'all know that normal in relationships is not working? Right? Y'all with me on that? Normal in relationships is not working because doesn't matter what statistic you look at. I mean, normal in our marriages is a lot of tension, a lot of strife, a lot of divorce. And so we're going to spend a few weeks looking at God's plan for marriage. Because we believe that in that, we're going to give life to your life because God wants to radically change what our relationships look like. If you're single, just let me just kind of tell you up front, like it's a, it's a series you want to be in because relationships, I don't care whether you're married or not, relationships impact your life every single day day and it's going to give you tools to navigate those so I'm excited about starting that next week let's go to kind of what has been the passage that we used to set this series up it comes out of Matthew 7 right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount Jesus is speaking and teaching and he says this enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate And broad is the road that leads to destruction. But he's invited us to come in through the narrow gate. And many enter through this broad, wide gate. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Only a few will find it. So think about that with me. See, Jesus is telling us that if we took a a broad spectrum of the culture that we live in, if we took and examined across the, the population, most people are traveling on the broad road. It's easy. It's normal. It's where most people are going. But he gives us the destination of that road to be destruction. That's why we can say today, normal is not working. Y'all with me on that? Normal is not working. Broad is the road. Easy is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the road. Difficult is the way that leads to life. That's why we've said, if you want what only a few people have, you've got to be willing to do what only a few 
people are willing to do. But if you want what normal people have, just do what normal people do. We don't want that. We want to be one of the few that travel on the road that leads to life. We want to be the people who look at the world and say, I realize that that's normal. I don't want what's normal. I want what is freaky because freaky is better. You see, really we find in those two roads, we find a a clear representation of the two ways we look at God. And today, I'm going to bring all the stuff that we've talked about over the last three weeks to a head because it is important for us to understand that there is a normal way of looking at God and then there's a freaky way. You see, let's go ahead and get started in your notes today. Religion is the first one, the first view that I would say is represented by the broad road. And the first thing in your notes today is religion is man's normal attempt to reach God. Religion is man's normal attempt to reach God. I don't know if you're reading the newspaper, looking at Time Magazine, watching Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. I don't know if you're tuning in to Channel 9 at night, but if you're watching the news, you can tell that the world that we live in is a religious world. It's actually quite difficult to meet somebody who is irreligious. See, religion is normal. Religion says, if I believe the right thing, if I behave the right way, if I do all the things that are on the checklist of the do's and the don'ts, and I don't do the things that are on the checklist of the don'ts, if I worship the right way, then I can be right with God. That's religion. If I get it all right, God will love me. You see, Jesus in his day dealt with this probably more than any other central issue that he faced in his earthly ministry. Because as Jesus emerged as a Bible teacher, as he emerged as a rabbi, people began to flock to him, to listen to him teach. People were being changed by him. There is a group of religious teachers that stood opposite of Jesus. They're eventually going to be the people that kill him. This group was called the Pharisees. And Jesus talks to them. In Matthew chapter 23, I want you to read this verse where he's talking about them. Verse 25. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! You are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed And self-indulgence. You see, Jesus compares these Pharisees to a cup. He says, when you go to wash yourself, you've washed the outside. But the inside is dirty. I don't know if you know much about 
cups, I think you probably do. If the inside is dirty, it's no good, right? You ever reached for a cup and brought it out and looked in it like, whoa, how'd that get in there? (laughs) Put that in the sink. Get somebody clean that thing. Right? That ever happened to you? It happens all the time. And when the cup is dirty on the inside, it is of no good use. It might look all pretty on the outside. See, we do that in life, don't we? Some of y'all did it this morning. You done got in a fight with your kids, with your spouse. You've been yelling at each other all morning, right? Using all kind of wonderful language to talk to each other this morning. And when you got to church, you looked at each other and said, all right, put the game face on, right? You all walked in. How you doing, brother? Good to see you today. Great to see you, right? (laughs) We do that, don't we? How many of you, now just, let's just be honest, all right, parents, how many of you have ever had to say this, don't do what I say, do what I do, or don't do what I do, do, what I do, do what I say. How many of you ever had to, had to drop that one, right? Right? I don't, don't, don't be doing what I'm doing, just do what I say, right? That, think about it. Jesus, when he is talking to these religious leaders, he's saying, listen, guys, you've created this big grand system of rules but all you've addressed is the outside you've cleaned the outside of the cup but the inside is still dirty and the inside is what matters look what Isaiah 29 says Isaiah 29 verse 13 the Lord says these people say they are mine They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules. Now, I want you to understand something. That is normal religion. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules. And that's how normal people approach God. I can get close to God. God will love me if I can get it all right. So every morning, I need to get up and I need to do my devotion. I need to get up and do my devotion. And before I get out of the, ch- the house, I need, to, I need to pray. I need to get my prayer time in. And then, you know, on, on the way to work, I need to make sure that my, my turn or burn bumper sticker is shined on the back of my car. I need to make sure that everyone can see my little fish on the back of the car. I'm going to shine that thing up. When I get to work today, I'm wearing my Christian T-shirt. Because that's how I witness to everyone. See, we do that. Create systems of rules, things to do and to not do. And the thing about religion, which is that, saying that I can get to God if I get it all right, the thing about religion is it only leads to two separate places. And we find that in a story that Jesus tells where he describes the prayer time of a Pharisee who enters the temple and is standing next to a tax collector. Now, for us, 
we're not real fond of the IRS. I understand that. It's about to be tax season. Many of us don't like it. But at this time, most of us in, in this culture, we actually get tax refunds, right? But see, in, in Jesus' day, a tax collector was an extortionist. They would collect the tax, but then they wouldn't tell you that they were going to collect twice as much and pocket their share. So in their culture, as much as we abhor the IRS, they hated them even more. And so a Pharisee is standing in the altar praying right next to a tax collector. And this is how Jesus describes his prayer. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. I thank you that I'm not a sinner like him. God, I thank you that I, I am not hated and revealed like this man is. Really? Your cup looks good on the outside, but it's dirty. You see, religion only leads to two places. The first place is pride. Pride. You see, when we create a religious system that is all defined by what we do, we have our own little checklist of what we need to do to be right with God. When we define religion by that way, if we can check everything off the list, at the end of the day, we feel like we've done something. I have earned your love today, God. You have to be good to me now, God. You have to bless me. I've done it all right. Look at the checklist. Or, it leads to where the tax collector was. You see, Jesus in teaching on prayer says that we actually need to pray like the tax collector. Who says, God, I'm a sinner. I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to pray. When I stand in your presence, I feel overwhelmed because I feel like I'm supposed to have done so much right and I know that I've done so much wrong. You see, religion either leads to pride or it leads to despair. Pride or to despair. And I don't know if you're like me, but I find myself in that position more than I'm not. Where I look at what I've expected myself to be and I'm vastly disappointed in who I've been. I love this story that a friend of mine tells about growing up in the church and having just made a decision to follow Jesus. He was a, a really competitive guy and uh, was the kind of guy that when he set his mind to do anything, man, he just was going to go after it. He's now a successful pastor. and He says that when he had just started attending church after he gave his life to Jesus in college, the pastor... Um, every week would give uh, Bible readings for the next week. It'd be one chapter. He'd go, go home and read um, Matthew 25 this week. And we're, next week, I'm going to preach on Matthew 25. So one Sunday, he said, this week, the, 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 the passage that I want everyone to read is Mark chapter 17. I want everyone to go home and read Mark chapter 17. Next week, I'm going to preach on it. And so he went home and Got very busy in the week and forgot about the assignment, but he showed up at church the next Sunday. And the pastor said, All right, I want you to raise your hand today. If you read Mark chapter 17, and three people, two other people in him raised their hands. And the pastor's like, Man, I'm so proud of you guys. 
Only three out of the whole congregation did their homework. Would you stand? Let's all give them a, a round of applause. And people started clapping for him. They were excited for me. He said, you know, in that moment, I'm lying because I didn't read my Bible at all. But I started to feel kind of prideful about something that I didn't even do because people were celebrating me for it. And he said, you know, since only three people read the passage that we needed to read, why don't we read it all together? Would you get out your pew Bibles, the Bibles that are in the back of the pew, pull those out and turn to Mark chapter 17. See, there is no Mark chapter 17. Mark ends at chapter 16. And so all these people are standing up, these three folks in the congregation. I just got busted. And the pastor goes, now, today I'm going to preach on lying, right? <laughs> right? That's where, that is where religion leads us. This empty pursuit of trying to do it right. But God has offered us something that is a lot better you see, Jesus is God's freaky way to reach man. So what I want to do is I want to walk through a passage of Scripture penned by the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. And I want to show you the difference between what God wants to give you and religion. Let's begin. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 4. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Now listen to how qualified the Apostle Paul was. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. All right, that's not something that many of us brag about, but he is. And we're just going to go with it, all right? I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one. He's giving his qualifications to be identified as a, a, a person that would have national rights in the nation of Israel. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Now, he just laid out for us. If you could do it right, I'm doing it right. If you could... Be the right, the perfect person. Here are my qualifications. Let me put it in modern day Stanley County language for you, okay? Can I do that? He's saying, my grandpa was a Baptist pastor. Oh yeah, I go to church. I go to church on Easter. I go to church on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I go to, with my family, where my grandpa was a pastor at. Oh, I've been baptized. Yeah, I was baptized by Billy Graham when I was a boy in the Jordan River with the Pope in attendance. Oh, yeah, yeah, I give. I give when I go to church, I give. Oh, I serve God. I, I serve God often when I'm sitting in a tree stand on, on Saturday morning. I just feel so close to God. And you know what else I do? I've got K-Love on my program, right 
I'm, I listen Monday morning, every Monday morning, I got me some K-love going on in the car. I'm having church. Paul says, all of that is religion. And there's something better than that. Let's continue reading. Philippians 3, 6, and 7. But whatever gain I had, in other words, whatever I was gaining out of that activity, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Now, if you're a good old boy and you brought your King James Bible and you're reading along, probably don't have the word rubbish in there. That word rubbish can be translated into garbage, rubbish, but more accurately, it's translated into human or animal excrement. It's the word scubula. Scubula was actually a a cuss word in the day that it was penned in the Bible. See, the Apostle Paul is saying that all of that stuff that was good, that I thought I was earning God's favor, it's all just a bunch of scubula. It's all just a big pile of scubula. Just a big pile. See, we all have our own pile of scubula. Your pile might look like, you know what, I get my devotion in the morning. I listen to my Caleb on the way to work. I got my bumper sticker on the back of my car. At work, I wear my Christian t-shirts and I yell at people that when when they cuss, I yell at them. Mm, That's my pile. That's what my pile looks like, right? Your pile might be a different kind of pile. See, religion in this culture sometimes looks like we pick and choose from different religious experiences. You know, I want to be Eastern, so I want to meditate. But you know what? I really like the, the principles of karma, so I'm going to pull that in. And so you know what? But, but I like Jesus, too. He's a good guy. And we create our own piles. But religion is nothing but a pile of crap. That's it. That's what the Bible tells us it is. It's offensive. It's stinky. It's something you don't want. And God has something better. Continuing. You see, I count it all as rubbish so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. See, Jesus tells us something through that passage of scripture that we all need to hear today. Righteousness is a term that the Bible uses to describe being right. 
being the right person. That, that when God looks at you, he sees you as the person he created you to be. And he says, I can't be right by doing it all right. I can't get it right no matter how hard I try. No matter how many rules I put in place, I can't get it right. But I am right because Jesus was right. And through faith in him, God has made me right. You see, Paul says, I count all of that stuff, all of that religious activity, I count it as rubbish, as just a big pile of scuba because I know now Jesus. I know Jesus. You see, the second, the different perspective is not religion, it's a relationship with God. And they're vastly different in their perspective. You see, religion says and is concerned with what I do. If you're a religious person, you are much more concerned with what you do. Relationship is defined by what Jesus has done. If you're a religious person, you are much more concerned about yourself, how you do things, what you do, what your perspective is. But see, in a relationship with God, we are concerned about Jesus. Religion says do. Do that checklist. Get it all right. But relationship says done because Jesus has already done it. Religion says if I obey God will love me. But relationship says because God loves me I obey. And there are many of you in here today that have struggled with earning the favor and love of God felt like you have to get it all right before God's ever going to accept you or love you. And that is just a big pile of scuba love. See, Jesus is a freaky way to save the world. Think about that with me. Jesus is born to a virgin because His earthly father would have given him a sin nature, so his heavenly father gave him a divine nature. When he was on earth, he taught freaky things. He said things that were so different and so weird, like, if you want to be first, be last. If someone offends you, Don't just forgive them one time. Forgive them 70 times, seven times. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. He hung out with some pretty freaky guys. I mean, in their day, all young men were were kind of evaluated and judged to be eventually a part of a religious following for a rabbi. Every person that Jesus selected to follow him was at one point a reject. 
They were all common working men who failed him over and over and over again. And then God choose the rather freaky way to save the world. God chose to send his son Jesus into the world at the height of the Roman Empire where the dominant form of execution was crucifixion on a cross. In all of human history, the cross is the most brutal way we have executed people. And God sent his son Jesus to die for us in that moment. To bear the weight of our sin. To become our sin. That's what the Bible says happened on the cross. That Jesus became sin. He who knew no sin. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your sin is. I don't know what your struggling with and what's going on on the inside of your heart today. But the truth is is that on the cross, Jesus became that sin. He was crucified to bear that sin. And through that death, He paid a penalty for us that we could never have paid for ourselves. See, normal, normal's not working. And there are a lot of people who have accepted a normal perspective of Christianity that is just religion, just us trying to get to God. But I want to tell you something. If you believe that, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to earth, defeated sin, rose from the grave, if you believe that, you cannot remain normal. The truth is, you can't passively believe that. I mean, think about the cross. I mean, a couple decades ago, as a pastor, we might say, you know, we've turned the cross into jewelry and imagery. Nowadays, we might say we've turned it into tattoos, right? I mean, you know, we've made the cross so common. It was a brutal tool for execution. And you cannot look at what Jesus did for us and believe it passively. Normal is not working. I mean, we know that when we look at finances, when we look at relationships. But let me just tell you, normal Christianity is not working. It's not. Over and over again, year after year, we see the numbers of people attending church in the United States declining. We see our culture migrating away from the things that we know God wants us to be. Normal is not working. And I believe today that for some of us in this room, this may be the moment that you embrace that you are tired of being normal. That maybe today, you let go of what has been a normal pursuit 
of Jesus. And you embrace that if you're going to go after God, you're going to have to be different. You're going to have to be freaky. But freaky is better because we don't want what normal people have. Normal is not working. And if you're going to live that from this moment until the end of your life, the only way that you're going to do that is by following the one who led the way. And that's Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you today for the opportunity that you've given us to live in relationship with you. Today, many of us in the room are, are struggling with a system that has been more defined by what we do than by what you have done. And God, I pray that by your grace and mercy, you would kill that today. You would remind us that we can only be righteous. We can only be right because of what you have done for us. For those people that are in the room today, God, that feel like they have never been able to earn your love, I pray that you would for, for them in this moment let them know that you love them no matter what they do. And you love them because of what you have done, because of who you are. So with nobody looking around, every eye closed, let me ask you a question today. Is your relationship with God more defined by what God has done for you or by what you are doing for God? Are you the person that's here today and you might say, I have done all of these things, but I just continue to feel like a failure, but I need that relationship with God. Maybe that's you today. And so what I want you to do is I don't want you to worry about who you sit next to. About, I don't want you to worry about anything that you've ever thought. I just want you to get in this moment right now. Get honest between you and Jesus. Do you need that relationship with him today? If that's you and you're here and you say, hey, that's me. I'm tired of living in this broken system of religion. I want a relationship with Jesus. Raise your hand right now. That's me. I need a relationship with God. Raise your hand. Awesome. Who else? Hands up all over the room. Who else? Awesome. I'm going to ask a follow-up question. It's for those of you who do love Jesus. How many of you would say, and just in this moment, be willing to confess to God, God, I've been blowing it because I've made this more about what I can do and less about what you've done for me. How many of y'all would want to confess that to God? Just confess it by raising a hand this morning. God, I've done it. I've made it more about what I can do than less about what you've done for me. So God, today, we thank you that you love us. God, that we can earn that. That you've leveraged that on our behalf through the death of your son, Jesus. That you've given us a righteousness we could never earn. God, we thank you that you love us that deeply. So God, we ask you to be with us as we walk in this relationship. Lead us and guide us 
for your name's sake. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.